Hello, I'm Dr. Annaline Weston, Dental Legal Consultant at Dental Protection based in Brisbane. Welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts produced exclusively for members of Dental Protection. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patient. My colleague, Dr. Simon Parsons, also a dental legal consultant, will be joining us for this episode. And we're going to discuss hiring for success. And I'm so glad you suggested this topic for today's podcast, Simon, because we all want to be successful in our careers. But why is hiring for success so important in your opinion? Well, Annie, it's my belief that if you surround yourself with good people, you set yourself up for success. There's something Tony, a very wise and decent boss of mine, shared with me very early in my career, and it certainly was his philosophy that he shared with me. And he said that if every single person associated with you in your practice is an ambassador for your practice, they need to be good. If you get it right, they will shine and some of that glow will reflect positively back onto you. However, if you get it wrong, your patients will wonder why you have unprofessional or incompetent staff at your practice and will start to perhaps also have doubts about the quality of the care they might be receiving from you. So much so that they may decline to go ahead with some of the work that you propose, or they may request not to be treated by one of your colleagues, or perhaps by your DA, Jenny, uh, because they feel that she is too rough with her high-speed suction handling. So this in turn may cast doubt upon you and compromise the overall regard your patients have for you and for your practice. And that's not a good path to take if you really want to be successful, especially if we believe that one unhappy customer tells on average somewhere between nine to 16 others about their bad experience and possibly a whole lot more if they air their concerns on Facebook. Let's get back to basics though, Simon, and be sure we all understand what you mean by success. So what do you mean? Well, by success, I mean the achievement of your own objectives. And those objectives will relate to your professional aspirations, what you really desire to achieve in your career. Now, perhaps you want to become wealthy through establishing a high-end practice and performing complex and often expensive services for your patients. Or perhaps you, you want to be a popular clinician on the social media circuit and be a key influencer of others. Perhaps, alternatively, that you prefer to be known as the family-friendly clinician who relates well to people of all ages and supports their local community. Maybe you just want to earn enough to pay your bills and live a reasonably comfortable life, retire when you're 60 or 65, and never get a complaint from APRA about your care. Whatever your goals are, you will use those goals to understand your achievements throughout your career span. So let's say you succeed in building a beautiful swish practice in a posh suburb, but see very few patients. Now, you might have achieved part of your goal, but have possibly then failed to translate that into professional success. But if on the other hand, all you wanted to do was to look successful, then you may well have achieved your professional goals. You need to be very clear about what it is that you really want to achieve. Otherwise, you won't know for sure if you've really achieved it. 
So if we're going to try and achieve these goals in our practices, what particular qualities should we be looking for then when we hire staff? Well, if you've got a really clear idea of what you and your practice stand for, and then by definition what you're hoping to achieve, you'll then easily be able to progress the idea of hiring staff who share the qualities that will make those goals a reality. So for example, you may have a real issue with bad debts in your practice, uh, but your aspiration, your goal is to be a really profitable practice with good cash flows. And so you may need to hire new front office staff who know how to collect payments from patients on the day of treatment and not give in to those patients who want to come back and pay later and perhaps never pay at all. People like that will then help you to be successful. Ultimately, though, the quality is desirable in all new employees for your practice will probably be issues such as having a shared sense of the practice values and a commitment to excellent patient care. Perhaps they'll have the ability to function really strongly as part of a team and have a really strong work ethic. And they may have very similar traits to that, such as being really dependable. Most of those qualities are actually qualities that people show when no one is looking. And it's my belief that you can't teach someone to be committed, for instance. They either are or they aren't. It's fundamentally what they're made of and they either have it or they don't. And it's really hard to fake over an extended time. So when hiring staff, it's important to realise that people will either have the attributes you want or they probably won't. It must be hard to recognise those in an interview too. So what attributes would you say are the most critical of these? So the deal breakers, so to speak. Well, definitely integrity and dependability. Just those notions that the staff member will do the right thing in the interests of your business when you or no one else happens to be looking. And that's because although we work very closely in clinical practice with some of our staff, like our DAs, there may be others where they don't really get very much of our attention at all. Now, the good ones will know what's expected of them and be keen to perform throughout the day so that your practice ends up being a success. But the not very good ones, on the other hand, will most likely be checking their emails and their Facebook page whenever an opportunity arises. And those people won't actually be focused on the success of your practice, but will instead be focused on themselves. And Annalena, I also really respect colleagues who show initiative those sorts of people choose to problem solve first before coming in to see you about every little thing. They see opportunities and run with them, such as moving patients up so that you get a longer lunch break and probably them too. Most importantly, they make the extra effort to follow patients up and to try to keep them happy. And all of those little bits of extra effort that they make help create a much more harmonious workplace and one that's much less likely to result in dissatisfied staff and patients. It also means when I've got someone who shows initiative and is dependable that I'm much more likely to delegate tasks to them because I know that they will take them on and they'll probably think of new solutions to some complex problems rather than always expecting me to find the solutions to those problems. That takes a big burden off my shoulders. Okay, so you've said these attributes can't easily be taught. So playing devil's advocate then, let's say I have a staff member who lacks them. Is it just a complete waste of time trying to retrain them? Should I just fire them? It's tempting, isn't it? And I, I, while I really don't think training is ever a waste of time, 
I honestly believe you need to make every reasonable effort to try to bring an underperforming staffer up to speed if you realise that actually you didn't hire that well after all. Um, in an age where you can't simply fire someone after a probationary period has elapsed just like that, you actually need to demonstrate that you've made reasonable efforts to address their underperformance before actioning any severe disciplinary action, because if you don't, you'll risk action against you yourself for breaches of employment law. Now, I'm always aware of a case study as I think through topics like this that I read many years ago, and it looked at a major car rental firm in the United States who were struggling to know the type of person they should really hire at all of their outlets. Did they want the popular jocks or the more cerebral and thoughtful types? And they really struggled and grappled with that. And in the end, they realised that they needed to hire friendly staff with an easygoing manner around lots of other people because the customer interaction they were going to be having was going to be quick but needed to be really positive. Their computer systems could have the smarts that took care of the really complex thinking, but what they realised that they needed were people for whom talking to strangers was not a problem, and that meant that the jocks got the nod. Now, that might not actually be your experience for your practice, obviously, but I'd recommend you set some clear objectives for any problematic staff member and plan a path to success. And that may require you to show them just what success really looks like in practice. Now, maybe you can inspire them by taking them to an environment where every person has a really clear understanding of what a customer-facing role happens to involve, such as going to an Apple store or perhaps to a five-star hotel. They will then observe the characteristics of what good customer service happens to be. And you'll also need to role model appropriate behaviours day in and day out. Otherwise, they'll accept whatever they see as being the norm. Now, some people will pick up on these skill sets and it's possible that they may even have some of those skills, but they've just been kept hidden for a long time and they haven't really been aware of them, nor ever perhaps even used them. But for others um, who don't really get it after all reasonable attempts have been made, um, you're probably going to need to cut your losses. And that's because you're better off having staff who understand the need for success and deliver on it than staff who don't. So how would you recommend we go about hiring for success? Where do we start? My view is that we start by having a clear vision for what a successful practice looks like in our own minds. And once you have that in your mind, you start to dissect it and examine which aspects of that success depend on human factors. What qualities do the humans in the practice and their interactions with others need to have in order to be authentic? And with those in mind, you then advertise for the right people, clearly articulating that those qualities that you're seeking are actually essential criteria and not just desirable ones. You'll have candidates describe examples at interviews of where they have demonstrated such desired qualities and essential qualities, not just once, but in a variety of different situations so that you know that it wasn't just a one-off that they're relating to. And then you'll try to snare them and keep them in your practice by offering them appropriate remuneration that fairly matches their skill set and the value that they're bringing to your practice. And that's because you can't expect champagne skills on a beer budget. That's my view. Your patients get what they pay for from you and your, your staff deserve no less.
Thanks, Simon. You've given us plenty to think about there and it's really helpful content. And thank you all for listening. We hope the podcast was helpful to you and we look forward to speaking to you all again in the future. Goodbye.